0: Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. It's time, America. Mr. and Mr. North from South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. So sit back, buckle in, place your tray table in its upright locked position, and get ready for big-time radio, friends. It's time for...
1: na 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 Now, hold the phone here. As much as we cherish opening up every episode, every episode of the Tom Gully Show with the Truth Wagon" by Jay Johnson, uh, I think for the first time in our illustrious history, nearing a 50th of a century, we're going to play a song that's, I think, uh, more appropriate for this episode. Ah, that'll do it. That's a sweet spot right there. Good evening. It is Saturday, April 26, 2014, episode 204. I'm Tom Gully, and tonight on the Tom Gully Show. You ever loved something? I mean, really, really loved something. Something that the very first time you interacted with it, that first second you knew it was for you. And because you love this incredible, joyous thing, you wanted to share it. With your entire world, you know, so that everyone around you knew about this thing and they could share in its untapped, unlimited joy with you. Well, we sometimes find out that not everything we love is for everybody, you know, so you clutch that thing even tighter to your heart and you wait. You wait patiently for those few who also carry the special mark of appreciation that you also bear. Well, like everyone else, I also have my undiscovered jewel. It's a TV show from, of all places, the great nation of Canada, and it is spectacular. Up next, we'll talk about that special thing, my favorite TV show, with Stéphane Reckle.
0: You'll find our snack bar chock-full of good things to eat and drink. Tasty, tempting hot dogs, thirst-quenching soft drinks, fresh, crunchy popcorn. You've plenty of time, so visit the snack bar now.
1: You're listening to The Tom Gully
0: Show. Uh, what's, your, what's, your, what's your radio show? Where are your radio show hosts at? Where are your radio hosts at? Where are you at? Where are you at? What's your, what's your show? What's it called? Is it the podcast that's non-existent? You know what? When it launches, can I be on? Can I be on? Please, 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 please.
1: Sure thing, crazy lady. Just send an email to tom at com. Boy,
0: I have never met somebody with a more self-serving, pompous, media blowhard that you give Rush Wendell a good name.
1: Duma. We're talking to Stefan Reckle, who is the most important person in the world to me. Uh, I would first of all like to begin, Stefan, by saying thank you kindly for being here.
0: Well, you're most welcome. I'm. Uh, thank you kindly for having me on your show.
1: And I would also say that there's probably people listening right now that are going, "Oh, they open with thank you kindly." And nobody else knows what that means. And that leads me to why you are the most important person in the world to me. We're going to be talking about a, a TV show called Due South, which if you're a fan of it, you're a big fan of it. Uh, down here in the States, it's not quite as well known, I, I don't think, in, as it is in Canada. I happen to have been working in Toronto when the show was on. So I, I got kind of both ends of it. Uh, The first thing I should say is that Stefan is the person who is in charge of a most wondrous thing, RCW 139. And this is the 2014 edition. That is the convention for fans of Due South. It'll be happening in Toronto, uh, August 15th to the 17th. Um, I am going to gush. I am going to fawn. I am going to talk like a giddy schoolgirl to this man. Um, how do you begin talking about Do South? Uh, it's almost such a serendipitously wonderful show. How do you start to explain it to somebody that hasn't been infected by the Do South fever?
0: It's pretty uh it's 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 not easy to do um and uh, and and yeah I mean as you said uh it's perhaps not quite as well known in the states as it is in, in Canada and and I, I actually in Europe uh particularly in the UK it's got a very very strong uh very strong following there um, um, but it's got a, I would say it still has a cult following in the, in the U S. Um, how do you talk about due South? I don't know. It's like so many things kind of put together and mishmashed together. Uh, and, and the result is like, wow, how, you know, how did that happen kind of thing? Right.
1: Right. It It's, it's a magical convergence of, of things that had never happened in TV before. I mean, you start off with, it's the first Sort of joint Canadian U.S. venture that was in primetime U.S. television, if I'm not mistaken. Correct?
0: Yeah, it's the first. uh, uh, Well, the first Canadian show uh, that was shown in primetime on one of the big, uh, essentially the big three uh, U.S. networks. Uh, So that's pretty. uh, That's pretty significant.
1: Well, I feel. Sort of trapped down here because it's kind of like when you're a kid and you try to tell your parents about this really great cartoon and they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that all the time down here. <laughs> and the one thing that really gets people's attention is they're going, Yeah, Dad, Tom, yeah, great. The, the Mountie show. Sure, sure, yeah. And I go, uh, You know, a gentleman by the name of Paul Haggis. And even some of the snobbier film people go, Paul Haggis. And they actually start to take note of the show. Can you talk a little bit about? the great Paul Haggis, and how he began the program.
0: Well, I think, um, I mean, Paul had this idea uh, back in the early 1990s, and he wanted to do this show that was, you know, a bit of a a play on on Canadian-American stereotypes, Um, and uh, I mean, I don't know if they expected just the kind of response that they got from it initially. I think they were a little bit surprised because they produced a uh, produced a pilot episode finally in in 1993 uh, when I guess there was a some magical convergence uh, where it was actually you know it was actually bankrolled by uh, by CBS uh, and and Paul got the green light and and the show was. The, the pilot was extremely successful, more successful than, the, than they in fact had anticipated uh, and that led to, uh, to the series um, but I think you know, I think I think talking about Due South and 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 as you rightly mentioned like Paul Haggis is definitely one of the the big names and then and the more more recognizable names that came out of Due South but it's pretty amazing when you when you talk about Do South and and look at who was involved from a you know production from an acting uh, from a music perspective, you know, all the people that were involved. I mean, there's some pretty, pretty big names that uh, uh, that, in, well, that either guest starred and then ended up making, you know, f- fairly significant uh, impact for themselves later on. So, yeah, there's, there's Paul Haggis, but there's, uh, there's a number of others. And, I mean, you're talking about, um, um, on the production side, you're talking about people like, uh, uh, like David Shore, who, you know, ended up uh, uh, doing House. Um, and then, uh, and then on the acting side, I mean, some of the guest actors on Due South, uh, you talk, you're talking people like uh, you know Ryan Phillippe, um Mark Ruffalo, uh, Carrie Ann Moss. You know, those were just sort of you know one or tw- uh, once or twice guest actors who then ended up you know making a really big name for themselves.
1: We could go on and on. You had Milton Berle, you had Maria Bello, you had. Uh Oh, who's the actress that, that Maria Bello replayed her role? Um, famous. Uh, she was in a Chevy Chase movie, Funny Farm. I can't think of her name now. Uh, mm-hmm. We could go on and on and on, though. I mean, it, there, there are a tremendous amount of uh, Terry. I think I said Terry Polo. Terry um, Polo. Uh, like Jessica. Um, it, what's her last name?
0: Ste- uh, Jessica Steen. Yeah, Jessica
1: Steen. Uh it just it they just roll off the tongue and we're forgetting a bunch of them. At least I yeah, am.
0: Look at the, you, know, you look at the music side, and I mean music was a big part of the show. Uh and and uh you look at the names like that were featured, like you know, Sarah McLaughlin, I mean, I mean, pretty uh pretty pretty big name, you know. Um uh, Northern Pikes, I mean maybe not quite as big in, internationally, but uh but still um, um I mean like you say, there's just uh, so so many talented people. And I mean I heard um It was really interesting because we had Jay Semko uh, of the Northern Pikes uh, and now um, uh, you know he has a solo career as well and he ended up doing the the music for the show and Jay's been fantastic because he's pretty much come to the conventions um, time and time again and uh, I remember I think it was in 2010 and he said he said you know what Paul Haggis had a real eye for talent and he picked these people um, and, and bring him into the show, like for guest starring roles, or just to do the music for, or or, to, or the songs that that would be featured on the show. Um, and and he just had a real good eye and 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 of, for for talent and how things would be you know, would be brought together.
1: I forgot Leslie Nielsen. Of Buck, how could I forget Sergeant Buck Frobisher? <laughs> Gordon,
0: uh, and, and Gordon Pinsent. I mean, oh, I
1: mean, he a, a he, tremendous he, Canadian actor, an absolute national treasure. In Canada. If you don't know about Gordon Pinsett, you're really missing out on a tremendously gifted actor. I saw him on like an episode of uh, Hawaii Five a couple weeks ago, and I just went, gosh, there's, there's Bob Frazier in Hawaii Five O. Mm-hmm. Um, for those, we've we really kind of jumped around here, but Do South is a fish out of water story, I guess, at its very, very core. Uh, it's the story of a Canadian Mountie who is the son of a legendary Canadian Mountie and adopts many of the same traits himself. He's raised by his grandparents in in largely remote areas, and he devotes himself to the libraries. He's learned everything. He is the prototypical Mountie. He is true blue. He is absolutely pure-hearted. And he is in Chicago with what you might imagine to be the stereotypical Chicago detective, the corner-cutting, street-wise... Uh, always ready to do something to close the case, not as dedicated maybe to his work unless he really, really, really wants to be. And they're paired together. It's a thing of beauty. The opening sequences of that, that pilot, I watch it today. I have the box set. I'm sure it's about to wear out. But uh, Fraser's knife going into the snow as his bobsled goes down the hill. And then those first words he speaks... That's the last time he'll fish over the limit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, just, i it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And the, uh, sort of the contrast of these two characters is absolutely amazing. And that's just where it begins with Due South. Yeah, it's um, a
0: mix of, you know, it's a, it's a mix of, comedy, but there's also a, you know, there's also a serious aspect to it behind it. You know, it's a mix of drama and comedy that's, it's just kind of like in the right proportions, you know?
1: Well, that, and there's also this fantasy element that comes into it once in a while. Um, the character that is the, sort of the, the, the lead of the series, if you will, is Constable Benton Fraser. Uh, and I always tell people that he is Superman in red serge. Is that and, an apt? Uh, is that an apt description?
0: Absolutely, and I mean that's part of the, the the fun of the show. Fraser Fraser can do no wrong. Fraser knows everything. Uh, Fraser finds out things. You know, he licks mud, and he knows that where the mud comes from, and therefore where to chase the uh, where to go to get the uh, where to go to get the bad guy, or you know, he he he. He might have something that says in front of him, you know, bad guy here, but he wouldn't. He wouldn't find it that way. He'd find it like like some remote way, you know, some the, the least likely way that you'd think of it. But then he'd still catch the guy, uh, and and he's just sort of in, invulnerable. But of course, it's done in a, um, you know, it's not it's not done. It's not a caricature. It's done. It's done really well, just to you know the the. the the producers and the writers knew where the limits were and, and, and how to play that character really well, uh, especially playing him off of um, uh, Detective Ray Vecchio, who's the, uh, the second uh, main character in the show, played by, uh, played by David Marciano, uh, who, who just complements and contrasts uh, Fraser just so well.
1: Well, and Fraser is kind of Superman and Clark Kent. Because he's a square. He is as square as you can get, and he does superhuman things, and as you mentioned, he's still a guy from the wilderness, and so when he tracks someone, he he can look at a guy and say, I noticed that the the leather on his right foot was slightly more worn than the leather on his left foot, (laughs) or it's typical in some... Asian communities for a man who is of that age to blah, blah. And I noticed he was smoking a certain brand of cigarette. I mean, he, yeah. <laughs> he, can, exactly. he, he can also uh, he's very um, clever. The mud licker, you know, he's like, uh, I didn't really find anything out per se, but she saw that I checked it out. So she thought that I had discovered something. Exactly. Uh, I mean, he is absolutely uh, just a wonderful character. Now, you mentioned Ray Vecchio and the, you know this series so many things happen that never happen in television i think and and you mentioned uh, david marciano i think that the ray vecchio the two ray vecchios you know uh ray vecchio and then who names a character stanley kowalski um <laughs> to, to gosh there's so many inside things we're talking about i'm sure People are going, what is he talking about? Um, During the middle of the series, the incredibly popular Ray Vecchio character played by David Marciano. David Marciano left the series and and, there's a little issue there amongst the fans. Uh, But they replace him and the way they do it is absolutely imaginative. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, and and yeah, there's a little, uh, there's a bit of uh, uh, I'll, I'll address a little bit the fan issue. There's a little bit of controversy uh, with the fans. There's, you know, some some the, the Ray number one and then Ray number two, essentially the two characters, uh, and some were you know favored the first Ray, David Marciano, or you know the second Ray, which was uh, as you say Kowalski, but his middle name was Ray, uh, played by uh, by Cal Keith Rennie, uh, and I, I think at the at the beginning, people were a little bit uh, put off by the fact that there was a new guy coming in, but you know it's obviously not his fault, and uh, and and he did a superb job as well. So there's just sort of two. I think it's two 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 different elements, uh, and two different. Um, they both bring um, uh, some fantastic acting, and 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 they both bring something to the series in a in a different way. So I think it's really interesting. But yeah, going back to. Um, you know, how they change him. Well, essentially, uh, Fraser comes back from a, uh, a trip up north, uh, arrives back in Chicago, and, well, Ray is not there. Uh, and somebody has replaced him who is saying, well, he's Ray. You know, what are you talking about? I'm Ray. What are you talking about, Fraser? Uh, I'm. You know me. I've been there. And Fraser is a, a, a little bit uh, perplexed by the, the turn of events. And, in fact, there's a whole sort of funny uh, funny play in that episode about how Fraser is trying to, you know, he's, he's, he takes uh, imprints of... Uh, of the new Ray's teeth uh, and, and do uh, measurements of his body and other things like that to prove to himself that, no, this is in fact not uh, uh, um, the old Ray that he knew. But everybody else, the in joke is that everybody else at the station, at the police station, says, no, no, that's Ray. What are you talking about? Uh, and, and and kind of the story there is that uh, the first Ray has gone undercover, deep undercover, and to protect his cover, they have put this um, second Police officer in place, who uh, who is now taking his his, his spot, and nobody's uh, nobody's supposed to uh, to know that that has happened, and therefore they just play along like it was it was the same man all along.
1: Well, I have to admit, when when uh, you know, I'll just call him Stanley for for uh, you know clarity's sake. It Makes
0: it a little easier, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. When Stanley showed up, I was a little. Oh, I don't know if I like this guy. Uh, I have to say though that by the end of the series it's a photo finish for me personally i would like uh, to not see you lynched at the convention uh but do you have a favorite ray
0: do i have a favorite ray <laughs> well uh, as you say, that's a it's a it's a bit of a uh of an interesting question um i think i think people nowadays certainly uh recognize that the fact that they like i said they both bring different things to the series uh personally uh i'm uh um I enjoyed the uh the first uh not i won't say the first ray better um m- just the the tone of the episodes in the first couple of seasons uh with the first ray uh with Ray were um in my mind I, I enjoyed those a little bit more but uh, uh i mean they like I said they both bring um um something very exciting to the series uh something really interesting and uh, I've enjoyed the all the episodes
1: well. The uh, I would agree with you. I think that those first two seasons are, uh, and, and and even the seasons of this show are like difficult to figure out because yeah. of the way the episodes came out and they were packaged differently for different parts Is there of the world. Three
0: seasons? Is there four seasons? Exactly, uh. <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, you know, um, I think that those first episodes were probably maybe uh, 20% better at the real, serious, hard drama. The episode where Ray uh, has, uh, falls in love with uh, the sister of the guy he grew up with that became the mob boss in the area is, is a really poignant just. Uh, and then my favorite is when Ray plays basketball with him. <laughs> That's a great episode. Right. Uh
0: fantastic episode called, uh, called the deal. Um, and, uh, one of my favorites as well. Um, and, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the, the bad guy, his name is, uh, is Zuko, um, is, uh, and is played by an American actor named, uh, Jim Bracketta. And, uh, we've, uh, he's never had the chance to come to the, uh, the convention, but a uh, really, really nice guy. And, uh, we actually had him on, um, on the uh, speakerphone at the last convention, just for a few minutes, uh, say hi to the fans, uh, answer a couple of questions, and uh, uh, he remembers Due South as a fantastic time in his life. Even though he only started in, uh, in in two episodes, uh, he said it was just you know a, just a really, really, really great experience uh, being involved with, uh, with with the series.
1: Hey, he's a great actor because I wanted to punch him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay let's let's talk about another thing that that just you know there was the ghost and mrs muir and there have been uh, tv yeah. series where there are you know people that have passed on that are parts of the series i mean to an extent my favorite martian was a guy that was around but wasn't his you know true self um can you talk about the introduction of gordon Pinsett as uh bob fraser and just the the extra gear that it that it added to the series.
0: Sure, absolutely. Well, um, <laughs> the, the, so the story goes uh, that when Paul Haggis essentially wrote off Gordon Pinsent, uh, killed in the pilot,
1: killed in the minutes,
0: pilot, two in the minutes pilot. into the pilot episode, <laughs> um, he was then like, he, he then thought to himself, "Well, well, this is just wrong. <laughs> how, how can I bring this?" And as you correctly said at the beginning, really legend, Canadian legend, uh, fantastic actor, really really nice guy as well, person very personal guy. How can I bring him back? Uh, and uh, and that's how you know by bringing him back essentially as the ghost of uh, of Fraser's dad, and that's how that's how they they brought him back, and and he comes back in an episode called Gift of the Wheelman. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite episode of uh, of Do South,
1: the Ryan Phillippe episode.
0: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Very, very strong episode with some very humorous moments, but also very poignant moments uh, at, at the same time. Uh, I don't know, I don't, like it's kind of the theme of the show. I don't know how they. They just had in the right balance, had in the right uh, in the right measure. It's a pretty uh, pretty significant achievement in my mind. But yeah, but so essentially, Fraser is um, is waiting with uh, in in Ray's car while Ray's there as well. Uh, or actually, he left and then he came back. But Fraser's waiting in Ray's car. They're um, essentially keeping keeping an eye on uh, the bad guys. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, here's uh, here's Bob Fraser's ghost uh and uh and he says uh and, and he starts talking to uh uh to fraser and fraser's like well hello dad and uh a little, just a little bit shocked and and uh, and asking himself what the heck is happening um but once again they didn't it, it it was really well done they didn't sort of overdo the fantasy aspect of it um it was just kind of like added this extra this extra little um Something to uh, to the series, and it was it was almost seamless. I have to admit, the first time I saw it, I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and I'm sure there's a few others that, that thought that, but it, it really quickly sort of like, oh yeah, you know what? That, it kind of makes sense, and, uh, and and it works. It works really well.
1: Well, if if Deuce South is a fable, if we look at it as a fable, um, really. At the very synthesis of the show, uh, Bob Fraser, uh, Gordon Pinsent was in the show even before he showed up again in Gift of the Wheelman. Because every episode, or most of the episodes, Benton would read from his father's journals. And of course, the reason for the series is that... Well, he first came to Chicago on the trail of the killers of his father, and for reasons that don't need exploring at this juncture, he remained attached as a liaison to the Canadian consulate. So, really, he was an essential part of the story in the series before he ever showed up.
0: Yeah, you know what? And that's a really good point. And I think I think that's probably why, uh, at least one of the reasons why it made it actually made sense and it worked when he showed up because because the show, um, you know, his even though he wasn't, he was dead, his presence, his, you know, you always were thinking about him. And and like you said, I mean, there's some really, some really great scenes where, um, uh, Fraser is, uh, is, is reading his dad's diary for some sort of insight into some cases And, and you hear, um, Gordon Pinson's voice doing the voiceover as Fraser is reading. And it's just, it's just really well done. There's a really particularly great scene of that in, um, in um the pilot episode uh set as I believe set to the music of uh crash test dummies uh um, Superman um so it was uh yeah it, w- it just worked really well
1: the CDs from do south go get them we could talk of like an hour just about them uh the music on them is absolutely spectacular uh I have trouble picking favorite episodes but I do remember the, uh, the, the episode where I really resonated with the journal was the first Buck Frobisher episode when he talks about, and maybe I'm wrong here, but two men hanging over the edge of a cliff and one man does one thing, one does the other. And then there was the quote where he's like, and at, at a certain point, a man's hips shift. There's nothing you can do about
0: it. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah well, like exactly and, and and again it's just this sort of like this this mix of serious and then there's a joke thrown in there but it's not overdone you know it doesn't feel like it's forced right it's just kind of like it's just really it's really it's subtle and, and witty i think
1: and and there's also and i hate to say this but you're you're wondering is is Benton all there? Has he gotten so, you know, that he's imagining this? You know, If he is, it's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a scene, and there's a YouTube clip of it. I watch it often, uh, where <laughs> uh, uh, Benton is on the trail of the guy that actually, I think it's the guy that actually killed uh, Bob Fraser. He's figured out who it is, and he's tell- encouraging his son to kill him. And uh, you could just walk right up, shoot him, crack him in the head. And he's he's explaining here, take my gun. You could use dad. You're dead. And he begins shooting things in the office. He actually puts the barrel of the gun into the top of the lamp and pulls the trigger. And it is hilarious how Bob Fraser, who, when he was alive, would never think of doing anything below board. Uh, is just sitting there, just in in just the most persistent, absolutely hilarious way, you know, uh, continually convincing him to go ahead and kill the guy.
0: Yeah, and it's a, there's I, I remember this scene very well, and there's a very there's a very funny line. I think it's a it's I think it's a, um, I think it's a different episode. I think it's probably the um, the first episode with the uh, the ghost uh, gift of the wheelman. But uh, Fraser goes, "Is there any history of mental illness in our family?" And he he's actually asking. The, his dad's his ghost if there's a history of mental illness in the family which is kind of, is kind of funny I think
1: well and, and the introduction of the father as a, a character you know right there in I guess you can't say three dimensions but as a ghost uh, really plays in to the end of the series I don't know that I've ever been as happy with the end of a television series that I loved than I was in the two-part, you know, final of uh, of Due South, but again, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, Buck Frobisher, Leslie Nielsen, another great Canadian actor. Uh, can you talk about Leslie Nielsen being added to the cast and his his various appearances in? Because boy, when you, when when Leslie Nielsen came to Do South, it was just a guaranteed uh, enjoyable ride.
0: Well, fantastic, fantastic actor and and a Canadian icon, and and sadly we lost him uh, a few years ago, um, but yeah, I think he, you know, I think he really just compliments the uh, uh, the cast very well. But I mean, he just he's just so right at home within the uh, uh, within what's going on. It's pretty seamless as uh, when he's introduced in the show, and 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 once again, he's one of those. I mean, he's so. Leslie Nielsen, the actor, is such a talented uh, s- such a talented person that he plays Buck Frobisher uh, the first episode that he's in. He plays Buck Frobisher as, you know, a f- quite serious, uh, quite a serious character. and there's some serious undertones to the episode. But then, in later appearances, uh, he plays it, you know, a lot lighter um, and, and in both cases it works um, it works really well but I mean you, you, I mean you re, we were talking uh, just beforehand about you know some of the, the names that, that were in, in due south and I mean how could we forget Leslie Nielsen right? Mm-hmm. Um, just 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 added that much you know that much to the show as a it wasn't you know it was only in, in a few episodes but uh, in those episodes that he was in just added that extra dimension to the show.
1: I think that you know a lot of people had gotten used to seeing Leslie Nielsen in those uh, police spoof kind of movies. <laughs> yeah. And therefore when you know that first episode uh, the appearance of Buck Frobisher, I love how they describe him. I love how F- Frazier is trying to explain to Ray what a legend Buck Frobisher is, you know. He tells yeah. him about the villain and says in, in short he has killed every single law enforcement officer he has seen. Yes. Buck Frobisher Armed with only, and he goes through this very telling uh, tale of how Buck Frobisher, over a two hundred foot drop or something, has a knife plunged into his thigh, and, and, still, brings. and still brings him in. And this guy's hanging from a knife in his thigh, and Buck Frobisher brings him in. And then the scene where Fraser finds him in sort of the flop house, and he flips that quarter into yeah. Fraser's red stairs and bring me a bucket of beer.
0: Yeah. And he and it's so
1: serious, and, and he's mean a little bit.
0: Yeah, he totally is. Uh, but it just it just plays really well. But I think you know you think about how Buck Frobisher was introduced, and it just plays on the same themes that we talked about before, like this sort of superhuman Mountie, the you know uh, wearing the red serge, and you know uh, one of those episodes, he's he's riding in the horse, right? So it's just like you know it just it just it just plays, but it doesn't. It's not a it's not a caricature it's just it's just at the right level
1: apparently buck frobisher and uh bob fraser had a celebrated name for a rifle shot
0: uh, yes uh and am i going to get that right
1: i don't know i can't it's that's why i threw great... it to you <laughs> it what was it the
0: the great uh yukon the... douglas fir double bank I'm, uh, I'm I'm You're a little off. You are I you
1: it's the great Yukon Douglas Fir double bank ricochet shot or something of that nature. Exactly. Uh and they went the whole episode without you know sort of baiting each other with the name of the shot because yeah. Buck is trying to to figure out whether uh Gordon Pinsent's character uh Bob Fraser is actually real.
0: That's right. And
1: there's one thing that he knows will Settle the difference, and it's actually the winning of the hand of uh, uh, Bob Fraser's eventual wife, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: Um. Uh, there's a speech that Buck Frobisher does in the, in the final episode <laughs> called The 11th of March. Yeah. <laughs> I happen to have a very close uh, friend, a girl that I've known since junior high school, whose birthday is the 11th of March. And it has been such a rich... And deep pleasure every eleventh of March to capture the youtube clip and put it on her site
0: <laughs> yeah and it's it's a it's fantastic and uh um it, it's just sort of irreverent right but um we 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 actually did a little bit of a um uh, a little bit of a spoof on that to uh uh, to announce the convention this year uh, we, we did a little bit of a, a video uh, and uh, and a couple of us were essentially doing lines from due south as part of the video to announce that uh, we we're gonna have a convention in, in 2014 and you know it's something like uh, uh, this is the 11th of March and whoever gets through this day unless you're shot in the head or you know you 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 hear or, the name or, and March the 11th you, know,
1: uh, you it, it, let me let me take a shot at this because I think they have called this day the eleventh of March. And whomsoever of you shall survive this day. Well, he gets to the part we few. We happy few.
0: We band of brothers. We band know. of <laughs> brothers. <And>
1: our <laughs> names shall be known as like yeah. household names. Yeah. <laughs> what does that good. mean? I just laugh. And the only person at the end of the speech who tears up, and we'll get to this is uh uh, McDermott, uh, Dean Turnbull. McDermott, uh, Turnbull. Yes, uh, he's, of course, now married to uh, Aaron Spelling's daughter, Tori Spelling. But he plays a, a character that, if anything, he, he is more sloppishly mounty than even <laughs> Frasier is. Uh, there's another great man. There's just so many great scenes where uh, Turnbull and Stanley talk about baseball versus curling. Curling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it may be a hobby. It may be even a pastime, but it is not a sport. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to quit doing the lines now because I'm not going to do them justice. Reoccurring themes. Uh, We open the show with thank you kindly. That's how Frazier thanks people. Always thank you kindly. Uh, Ray's car is a character in the show. Uh, The dog, Diefenbaker. Uh, Diefenbaker is a deaf wolf. He has uh, become deaf by saving Fraser from a, an ice flow, and now they are bonded together forever. And Fraser has the great line, uh, uh, he'll save you if he can see you.
0: Exactly, because he can't hear you. But uh, uh, the wolf is a character, is, is a completely a character in the show, uh, equal to or even surpassing some of the human actors. And in fact... Funny little story. Um, at the uh, <laughs> when the the show first started playing, uh, the the Diefenbaker actually got more fan mail than the actors did. Um, now, wasn't
1: and wasn't there a switch in the dog at some point?
0: Yeah, because after the first um, after the first two seasons, when we had the switch with um, uh, when we had the switch with uh, with Ray and Stan, um, and uh, there was a. a, a a number of other uh, changes to the show uh, from a cat, well, not so much from a casting perspective, although there were some there, but from a crewing perspective as well. Um, and a, a new dog was brought in to uh, to play Diefenbaker, although I should also mention that there's more than one dog that uh, that played Diefenbaker in, uh, in every season, as they had, uh, for example, uh, Draco, who played Diefenbaker in season three. Um, had a number of, uh, stunt doubles and, 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 as such, uh, played the, played the dog.
1: Now, there is a little magic in the, uh, title of the convention, which is RCW 139. Uh, can you talk about why that number is so special to fans of Do South?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the, so... In the show, there is a um, recurring license plate uh, in a variety of episodes. In fact, the first um, the first time it appears is in the first episode, not in the pilot, but the first series episode called uh, "Free Willy." Um, and the, the license plate that's that's used is RCW one three nine. And you happen to see it in various episodes, not on um, not on uh, race car, but on other uh, vehicles uh, in the show. So. When the first Do South convention was put together in 1996, the fans that, uh, that did it back then um, decided that was actually quite a, uh, quite a good name to use for the, uh, for the show, and uh, I have to agree. So uh, we've kept uh, using it since then.
1: Was there any magic to that number? Did they, you know, is it Royal Canadian Women or something? I don't
0: know. <laughs> no, there's a there's a, a variety of uh, there's a variety of uh, of things we could do with it, but actually, no, it was completely random. It doesn't it does not stand for anything, which is a question that uh, has been asked uh, a few times. What's 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 RCW one three nine stand for? Uh, just RCW one three nine.
1: Now you're going to be able to answer this question and, and I'm going to give this guy a shout out because he's one of my favorite things about due South and I don't know why. And what's, who's, what's the name of the gentleman that was the stunt coordinator that shows up as sort of a a heavy, uh, several times in due South bald guy, real big.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, Kevin and his last name is escaping me right now. Uh, let me let me let me get to that.
1: No, that's okay. Well, we'll we'll get to it when it comes in. Kevin
0: Kevin Rushton. Kevin Rushton.
1: Oh gosh, uh, you know what a what a cool thing and and shout out to him, man. He did a great job every single time. I I I really like that sort of thing about uh, Do South. And I said I wasn't going to do any lines, uh, <laughs> any more lines. But I I could kick myself. I was I was uh, sort of wrestling. Do I open this up with a thank you kindly, or do I open it up with Do my. Uh, yeah. uh, now, yep. talk about that, because I got to tell you, I was working as the editorial director at uh, Cartoon Network for Turner when Duth South was on TNT. And so uh, people there knew past a certain point in the day I was going to stay at work later because I would not. We had TVs in our offices. is kind of cool. Yeah. And I was not going to leave if if there was a chance that the five minute drive home that I had <laughs> Would cause me to miss one second of due south. And I have to tell you until maybe, I don't know, it's a 20 years show until maybe seven or eight years ago, I thought they had to have gotten that from an Inuit tribe somewhere. <laughs> and uh, well, correct me. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, okay. So so just a quick shout out to uh, to Kevin Rushton, though. Uh fantastic fantastic actor. Uh and played so many roles in Do South and and came to and a, a really nice man as well. Uh came to the convention in 2012 and uh, might be there in 2014 uh, as well. Um but Doma, yeah, uh, very sort of um uh characteristic sort of, you know, you, you think Do South and you remember the sounds and you think Do South, you think a lot about I think a lot of people, anyways, you think a lot about uh, music and sound because it's such a big uh, part of the show, and definitely the doma was was part of this. So um, the question has been asked uh, numerous times to uh, to Jay Samko, uh, and he said they just found some, you know, it. it, it, it it, unfortunately, the story wasn't as exciting as, uh, as as you would have liked it to be. Um, something along the lines of they just uh, were looking for something and they found some, um, I think it was commercial, a commercial sort of sound clip or public domain sound clip or something along those lines and they thought it just kind of fit really nicely with the um um, uh, with the scenes kind of like with the this idea of something aboriginal something uh wide open spaces snow that kind of a thing and they thought it also fit with the music nicely so they just started using it
1: and for the uninitiated many of the episodes would open with a shot of the chicago trestles or maybe the toronto ones it's hard to differentiate sometimes Uh, a lot of the exterior scenes were (laughs) shot in Chicago and they would cut them in but you'd see the some exterior and is such a nice contrast just like the show was you would see this real urban industrial scene and then you would hear uh, god I do that well and um, it's just a nice touch to the show like so many of the nice touches Um, let's get to I'll ask you this because it's a loaded question at the end but uh, why has this show taken so many people uh, although it may not have the following in numbers that some other shows do, I can tell you that when I browbeat people to watch do South with me, they are instantaneously fans why yeah. Why is this show taken so many people?
0: Well, I think mean, there's a number of reasons, but um I'll go back to one of the things that uh that we've discussed many times and that um um, even you know, Paul Gross himself has has kind of said, and he said, you know what? Just, the show really has a good heart. Um, it's not cynical. It's not, you know, it, it kind of has this this positive, um, not just vibe to it, just kind of positive outlook to to it. And I think, you know, you, you can you can talk about all the things saying, you know great actors, great music, uh humorous, uh uh some some serious undertones, you know, all all of that put together and that's definitely part of it. But I think, you know, it, it all goes back to that idea that the show has a good heart and, and and it doesn't it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it doesn't, you know, it's not cynical about the it, it's outlook. It's um um it's just a really sort of positive show. And um uh, we had uh the last three conventions we've always had a uh, an actual um RCMP uh, constable come to the convention talk to us about um talk to us about you know what he does in the RCMP and 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 um and um he's always been actually very very open um a, a, about things uh, which which has been very very appreciated by um by the fans um uh and in two thousand twelve uh, um you know he he came and he gave us this presentation and he kind of stayed for a bit of a meet and greet and then and then and then he had to leave and then he kind of gave us a couple of words before leaving you know we were very thankful to have him he said no, he said, thank you for having me here and he said it's really really nice to see um a group of people brought together by you know by a show and and it's not so much as a show but you know by something that is uh, so very positive And and kind of gives you hope About uh, um, About life and, and about things and, and I think that kind of summed it up very well
1: Do you ever wonder where Mr. Mustafi is?
0: <laughs> now? He's probably still living in, in, in the building Actually no, the building kind of Burned down, so yeah. <laughs> he's, he's
1: borrowing. He's borrowing things from people somewhere else.
0: He's still, he's still uh, for, uh, yeah. He's still. Uh, he's still there with Fraser somewhere.
1: Yeah, Mr. Mustafi was sort of a ancillary character. You more would hear his name yeah, uh, than than you would actually see him, and he was famous for bo- borrowing things from Ray. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sorry, from Fraser, uh, Fraser. for some reason. Uh, uh, Paul Gross. I think Paul Gross is so spectacularly cool. He is so dedicated to the arts and the Canadian arts. I've heard several interviews uh, with, with him, uh, and he really is sort of a, a very intellectually sophisticated man, a very deliberative thinker. He's thought about a lot of the things that he talks about when he speaks. Um, but, but can you talk about his view toward the show? Because it's obvious that he has an endearing affection for it, but he, he seems a bit, I don't want to say distant, mm-hmm. But he has very clearly uh, classified the show in the context of his career, and I think very intelligently as an artist does not necessarily want to be known for that one thing. That's the feeling I get, and I'm not making a criticism of him there at all. I think, um,
0: that's, I think that's definitely part of it. You know, you don't want to be sort of pigeonholed in saying, "Oh, you know, Benton Fraser." You know, no, it's actually, you know, Paul has done so many things. Uh, whether it's acting, singing, theater, uh, and then, as you mentioned, a uh, very big advocate of you know Canadian content, uh, Canadian production, that sort of a thing. Uh, tried, unfortunately, a little bit unsuccessfully to have uh, I think it was called Starlight. It was a um, yes, yes, a, a channel for uh, uh, Canadian productions, the uh, cable channel that didn't, didn't it didn't quite work out. Uh, but a very big advocate of of what canada has to offer in the arts uh and i think he needs you know quite rightly so he doesn't want to just be seen as benton fraser right uh he's got much more uh, he's got much more to offer than that but also i think there's an another element to it which is um something along the lines of in season 3 of the show um yeah. Paul took a lot on. Uh, not only was he the lead actor, but he was, you know, executive producer. He directed, he wrote, he sang. Um, and I think, you know, he said before, he said by the end of, you know, by the end of the show, um, he was, he was, I think, feeling a little bit burnt out. Um, and um, uh, he was, as much as he enjoyed the show and as much as the show helped put him on the map, It was time for it. It was time to move on to do something different and perhaps to uh, take a little bit of a break from the very, very, very uh, significant responsibilities that he had with uh, the last season of Duke South.
1: And I also have heard him speak about uh, the Hollywood thing and the fact that, you know, being an American show. That there's just a whole lot of other elements that that don't exist in Canada, with all the hype and all the you know managers and publicists mm-hmm. and studio executives and all the just junk that we Americans love in our entertainment mm-hmm. uh, that that you know uh, probably aren't as present in Canada. The man is a, a, a an innately talented and gifted actor writer director i've probably seen everything he's done since due south and i'm not doing that out of homage to the show Mm -hmm. i'm doing it out of the fact that i think the guy just brings a lot to the table in anything that he does and it's just really refreshing to see an actor working in mass media that that has cast aside anything but the craft and uh you know i saw the the uh the uh teleplay that was done where he played a, it was a political drama and he was just he was absolutely spectacular in it
0: yeah are you talking about uh, h2o maybe yes yes
1: I am yes I am yeah. sorry
0: yeah h2o which had a, a sequel as well yeah and absolutely I mean he he was involved in that from the conception to the acting to again you know just about everything that uh, that was involved there and uh, and 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 great results but of course you look at you know you look at uh, you compare it to an American show, and, I mean, it just doesn't have the same reach, right? Right,
1: right. Well, it was a show that wouldn't die, basically. As, yeah. We'll as far as so. American television is concerned, you know, every year, is it coming back? Is it coming back? And it just kept coming back.
0: Well, um, and, and in fact, it's pretty... Uh, um, pretty. Um, uh, I mean, the word escapes me here, but uh, uh, well, it it's was-
1: a maze the way that the production companies got it going, and then it went from one property to another, and then they figured out another way to get it done. It's not a very clear line of uh, of production, so to speak. Well,
0: and, and and it's probably one of the first shows I, I would sort of dare to say, and and I, that's kind of a it makes a good link to the conventions as well, because it's kind of the genesis of the conventions in some ways. Is that um, back in uh, after the first season uh, of due south so now we're talking the season started in uh, fall 1994 um, and so spring 95 uh, time frame um, CBS essentially uh, canceled the show uh, saying you know the ratings weren't good enough uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of reasons potentially as to why that happened preemptions uh, different sort of Focused by the management at CBS who, that had changed, um, and uh, but they canceled the show. And uh, without CBS support, you know the show was too expensive essentially for to just run on Canadian money. Um, so the fans were were quite upset and um, and started a, an internet writing campaign to get the show renewed. And I think it took CBS by surprise. I mean, we're talking 1995. The internet, yeah, you know, people knew about it, but it's, it wasn't what it is today. And there was nef- definitely not as many people uh, on it as, as there was today. And they wrote to CBS and 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 managed to use the internet. I mean, we're talking about um, social media nowadays. Well, AOL. Yeah, it wasn't there at that at that at that time in in the form that we know, but you know, still managed to use the internet to gather people together uh, and to voice their displeasure with uh, with CBS. Uh, And no, they actually managed to get CBS to reverse their decision and pick up Due South as a midseason replacement for a second season, uh, which is you know, I'm sure you know, uh, is pretty rare for a show to get canceled and then picked up again. Normally, if it's canceled, uh, you're not seeing it again. Mm-hmm. And, and, and after the second season, uh, CBS canceled it again, uh, and the fans got involved again, and this time they couldn't convince CBS to, uh, to take it over. But uh, managed to rally. There was enough international support for essentially a uh, consortium of Canadian money, UK money, German money, etc., uh, to to finance the show and 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 get a that that sort of last season going. Okay. So now- so dead twice and back, which uh, like I said, you know, pretty rare when one one to for that to happen once, pretty unique for it to happen twice.
1: Uh, well, we haven't talked about uh, Ray's female foil, if you will, his superior officer. But that's even another thing. They introduce her, uh, you know, after uh, the start of the series. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, and 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 they introduced her. Is are they, they going to fall in love? Are they not? What's going on with them? Is she, does she hate him? Does she like him? <laughs> and that whole thing. And and uh, so there's, you know. Uh, another thing that doesn't happen very often in, in a television series, the two rays we mentioned uh, getting switched out. There's just so many things about this show yeah. that are so completely unique and have never really happened in television.
0: Uh, absolutely. Uh, um, Inspector Thatcher, which I fairly uh, <laughs> play on names again, um, who uh, who's played by the, uh, the wonderful uh, Camilla Scott. Oh,
1: boy. Uh, is she incredible or is she incredible?
0: incredible and we had uh we had uh we were lucky enough so i'm kind of i don't i don't really need to plug the convention but no I, we're gonna because
1: that's my next thing because <laughs> let's talk about the convention
0: yeah who who came to the convention in uh, in 2010 along with a number of other um, other actors and, uh, and and it was just fantastic again you know so so just sort of down-to-earth actors uh you wouldn't know it by um by looking at her character in the show, certainly she was very, uh, uh very cold, but, uh, uh, an, in, an interesting kind of contrast to Fraser. Right. So, um, uh, well, uh, uh, well thought of, uh, thought out and, and, and well executed, I would say.
1: Well, I'm very excited to, uh, to say that I will be at the convention. and We're um, very excited to have you there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so, uh, it's that Canadian, uh, I just want to go to Tim Hortons, you know, that's really why I'm coming up there. Uh, the, the convention will be taking place August 15th through 17th, and it's beautiful Toronto, Canada. If you've never been to Toronto in the middle of the summer, you really are missing out. It is a wonderful city. It's the most European city that you will find in North America. And uh, I know a lot of Canadians uh, have, have issues with Toronto sometimes because it is such a powerful force in Canada, but uh, the uh, supporting memberships are available still, and so you still can get to the event. Could you talk about the difference in the sort of the uh, memberships that are available and some of the things that will be going on at this year's convention?
0: Absolutely. Um, so, at this, so we have since the beginning, we've had attending memberships and supporting memberships. Um, attending memberships, obviously for people who can, uh, who can come, uh, and every attendee has been a tradition since, uh, well, maybe the second RCW, every attendee gets a little bag of goodies. We call it, you know, a little goodie bag or it's just an attendee package that has a number of items in it, such as, you know, sort of a rep replica props from the show or, um, you know, like a little light, a little key light or a little flashlight or a little, um, uh, uh, keychain that has, you know, the, the RCW logo or, and a t-shirt and things like that, right? It's just some kind of like some 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 nice little goodies. Uh, and then often we've also had, you know, Paul Groves would contribute something. So we'd, he'd autograph a picture. So every package would have an autographed picture of Paul Groves, that kind of a thing. Um, of course, there's a number of people that cannot make the trip to Toronto. So we wanted to include these people in the convention. But also, they're actually a fundamental part of making the the convention happen because this is completely fan-run, not for profit, uh, and 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 we need the supporting memberships to finance the convention. So in exchange for the the price is is fifty dollars plus shipping, we sent the same attendee package, the same package as all the attendees will get, to our supporters. And they get to be kind of part of the convention and uh, uh, they get the goodies and they are, you know, they make the convention happen by by supporting us financially.
1: Well, if you have the time, go to rcw139.org. You can see photos and all sorts of uh, accounts of the past conventions. Uh, It looks like you guys just have a blast. I know that that people make friends there. How many people will be attending this year to your you know, ballpark it?
0: Yeah, so so we're actually sold out this year, although I should mention that we typically, and we've had this year, we've had a couple of cancellations so far. So, you know what, if somebody is listening in and says, you know what, I'd like to go, um, you should really send us an email at uh, info at rcw139.org, and uh, we'll put your name on a waiting list for uh, for tickets. And then as, if cancellations happen, which you typically do, um, then, uh, then you might just make it to Toronto uh, for the convention. Um, so, so we should have uh, approximately 100 people this year. We kind of we, we limited it to 100 people because uh, we kind of want this to be manageable for us. Uh, we're not professional conventional organizers uh, by any means. Uh, we just try to run a convention professionally I guess. Um, and we want to limit it to uh, what we can do. So we figured 100 people was a, uh, a good figure. It also helps us sort of uh, keep the, uh, um, the, the, the atmosphere of the convention. Too many people, it gets a little bit too, uh, perhaps a little bit too commercial. or People don't get to know each other enough, that sort of a thing. Um, you get it to 100 people or, or less, and then, you know, you really get the chance to have interaction with not just the other fans, but um, um, the guests that show up, whether they're crew, cast, or, or however they were involved with, uh, um, with the show. Um, so so yeah so we're expecting about a hundred people this year um in past years we've had uh, since we've restarted the convention in 2008 we've had 75 to 80 and this year um this year we're, we're we've got a hundred uh
1: the three-day event what are the sort of the activities that'll be going on each oh, yeah day?
0: for sure for sure so so um we have all kinds of stuff so we have uh, guests that are invited so depending on who's able to come uh, we typically have guest panels where you know they they sit in front and they answer questions and they they speak about their experiences on the show but also speak about you know what they're doing nowadays and um it's always real a lot of fun especially if you get you know 3 or 4 of them together uh, and then they just feed off of each other and recall some of the stories and it 's just really a, a lot of fun to hear so um we don 't know typically i mean we don 't pay our guests uh we can 't really afford that but they're really they're they're such um, they 're such great people uh, really down to really down to earth really approachable and they just you know they just come um, and um uh, so so we have uh, uh we have the the uh, the guest panels um and uh what else so we have um a lot of games on the go uh, in past years we've had things like uh, do south jeopardy so we just essentially play a little game of jeopardy people form teams uh and then everybody gets to answer the questions uh, and then whoever wins gets um, um, gets uh, you know some small prizes that sort of a thing. Um, we have a formal dinner on the Saturday night. Uh, really good, really nice dinner. The hotel where we're where we're at they uh, they have some really good food and, and they put together a really nice dinner for us. Um, we have. Uh, perhaps some episode viewing, uh, which you know everybody's seen the episodes, but it's always a lot of fun. To it's it's very different when you're watching them with you know a hundred other fans of the show, right? It's a right, little it's kind, right. of a, kind of kind of, a, kind of a little bit more fun. Uh, we typically have a charity auction at the end, uh, and in past years we've already raised you know between two and three thousand dollars, which we donate to charities. Uh, that we decide in cooperation with you know our fans and our guests. Uh, in past years we've donated to humane societies, uh, autism uh, Society, uh, hospital for um, uh, sick children in Toronto um, and, and so forth. So the the items at a charity auction typically are donated by either uh, fans or uh, some of our guests such uh, you know autograph scripts, pictures, uh, some sort of Mountie-related memorabilia, um, that kind of a thing. So, you know, um, uh, it, it kind of helps us give back a little bit as well, uh, and and we've been very successful at that. Um, so a, a, a very wide variety of events, from games to panels to um, the auction to perhaps some discussions, some more serious discussions about certain specific issues uh, related to the show that people want to discuss. Um Scavenger hunt is another example of a game we've had where you kind of have to gather a few items, and whoever brings the uh, the best set of items uh, wins the little prize. Um, but the you know the heart of the convention really is, uh, and you've mentioned it before, is uh, is the friends that you meet. Uh, and you know it's interesting that we have probably about fifty percent of the attendees which are returning attendees, but we also have fifty percent that are new attendees. So lots of possibilities to um, to meet new friends, uh, and it always happens, and that this is why we keep it sort of to the size that that we do and and people just really enjoy meeting new people uh, and, and it's the friendships are really at the heart of the convention
1: Well, I know you said that uh, that you guys aren't professional about this. I beg to differ uh, I you know Uh, go to these sorts of conventions all the time there's one that's going to be occurring for me a giant horror convention the biggest one in all of the united states supposedly and the level of professionalism i've been treated with by you guys as compared to the place five miles away from me you know allegedly bigger and you know larger and all that is is almost startling uh your site was up in plenty of time i think i reserved my place in it God, maybe it was six months ago or something I mean yeah, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it it's a very very professionally done I mean immediately got an email response you guys were very clear about yeah you're welcome to come and then bring your tape recorder and blah 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 uh, as if they make tape recorders anymore <laughs> and uh, you know I have to say that you guys have been just so upfront about everything it's all there on the site and I just I cannot wait for this it's four months away and if I can do anything to help promote it, if if I don't care, if a guy that that was a grip for five minutes and got sick and had to leave the set, and that's his only interaction with Ducel, I will interview him. Uh, <laughs> I will do anything I can to tell as many people I can. I am a, a freak for old TV. I yeah. mean, I have DVDs of every Jack Benny program. I mean, I'm a, I am have a sickness. And people ask me, "What's your favorite TV show?" And it doesn't even—it's not even a decision. Do South, if you—you know—it it is the my favorite TV show by so leaps and bounds. And that's not to say that there aren't other good programs out there. But, boy, uh, for entertainment, well-written scripts, great acting, music that you can't touch, and the serendipity, and the way they treat the characters with such reverence. And they don't hack up the characters for a stupid reason, just to get, you know, a little bit of uh, flair for the show. It's just a show with a good heart. There's no no other way to, to uh, describe it.
0: Well. Uh, first of all, thanks for uh, thanks for your comments. Uh, we do try to be, uh, like I said, we're not. Wh- what I meant is, we're not we're not professional convention organizers, but we definitely do try to organize things as professionally as we can. But uh, and hence the, you know, sort of limiting the um, uh, the attendance uh, helps us a lot uh, in in keeping that going and then answering emails quickly and 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 everything else. Um, you know, what can you do? Uh, well, if you have, con- if you have a connection with, uh, for Paul to get Paul Haggis, we'd love to invite him. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you can help with that, you will be like our hero.
1: I'll get right on that. Uh, he what take my cause a long time ago. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, you know, and I have, uh, read articles and, and things where he's commented on, and I actually read one. I hate to keep extending this interview because i know you're busy no, but, i just
0: keep going i have lots of times so. okay
1: paul haggis actually likes the fan fiction that's been written about due south he said some of these fan fiction short stories are, are
0: amazing and and he's he's uh i remember back in the uh, ni- the late 1990s uh he actually used to write I don't know if many people are aware of what Usenet forums are but essentially message sort of an old old uh, old-style message boards that uh, that you could reach through the internet and he actually used to answer fan questions on there um, so, so, I think uh, I think if he could, he would definitely come, um, it's just a question of, because he, he likes the fan involvement a lot, and he's very, very proud of, uh, of Due South, and of the characters that he created, um, it's just a question of, of us being able to reach him, uh, and him actually hearing about it, uh, and, and obviously him being, uh, being available, so, but we'll, we'll keep trying, and, 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 uh, and you never know. Um, the, uh, the other thing I'll say, I mean, it is, Do South is, 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 my favorite, definitely my favorite show as well. Uh, but I'd like to, I'd like to put forward another, uh, kind of an, another angle to it. And, and the reason it's for me, the reason it's my favorite show is, uh, not just what you mentioned, although that's a big part of it. Uh, it's, um, it's, the friendships that I've formed, that that I have formed through Do South and the fun that we've had, and uh, I attended my first RCW convention in '98, so I was there in '98 uh, and '99, which was the last one for uh, for nine years, um, and just made so many friends there that I'm still very much in touch with. Um, and then, since two thousand eight, when when we restarted the uh, the conventions, uh, met a whole number of other friends that uh, that I tend to keep in touch with, and that you know we see each other on a irregular basis, but we try to keep in touch. Um, and then uh, and then every two years since since two thousand eight, uh, and it's just been it's just fantastic. I mean I mean the show has just brought people together, and and I think that's one of the the unique parts of uh of due south
1: okay to finish up let's play a little tennis i am gonna give you i mean we're gonna do this back and forth and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go from our favorite episode to our fifth favorite episode and uh as you're you're the guest i will give you you know do you want to kick off or receive
0: um i'll um i'll uh i'll kick off okay And I will say, uh, gift of the wheelman.
1: And I say Victoria's secret.
0: Ooh, that's a, that's a controversial decision.
1: (laughs) I know it. I know it, but, uh, I'll tell you what, that episode. And and for those of you who don't know, it's the episode. Frazier is irresistible to women, uh, at all times, even when he's dressed up as a woman, uh, (laughs) And this was the episode that you find out that Frazier did have a really passionate sort of relationship with a woman who comes back into his life and blows it up. And uh, the just the catalyst for what, what was was to follow uh, between him and Ray and, and a number of other things that that episode is uh, is my favorite episode.
0: The, well, uh, two
1: episodes. Sorry, I'm I'm going to just cheat and lump yeah that's,
0: that's that's all right we'll we'll give you that one um very um excellent excellent episode, very very powerful episode and actually, the reason a lot of people or not necessarily a lot of people the reason some people uh are a little bit averse to it is because it is just so powerful and it invokes so many emotions um I'm gonna say hawk and a handsaw oh that's a good one
1: right. uh that's a good one that's uh uh Fraser goes into a uh a mental institution and uh it's just a great episode. Uh that's oh, such a great moment in that episode when the, the big heavy, you know, what you do when you do this that you lessen all of us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Guest starring uh, an episode get that uh, guest stars um Michael Riley, uh who's maybe not That well known outside of Canada, but very very um, uh, talented and uh, and recognized Canadian actor.
1: Okay, Um, is it your turn? I think it's your turn. Uh,
0: No, I think it's yours. I just said handsaw.
1: Oh, that's right. That's just right. Um, I'm not that smart. Uh, (laughs) I'm not that good at thinking. Uh, I will say, red, white, or blue.
0: Ooh. Okay.
1: Interesting choice. No, no, stop, 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 All the Queen's horses. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Mixed okay, up my oh, episodes. Mixed up my episodes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I actually
1: I don't like red, white, or blue.
0: Okay.
1: I don't like that one. This is this one of my least favorite episodes? Yeah.
0: Um North.
1: Oh. That's the episode where uh Fraser gets hit on the head and he's blind. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just an amazing episode. And uh and the I mean, there's only really two characters in that episode, and that's uh, uh, that's Fraser and Ray. And uh, the interplay between the two characters is just amazing, especially when you have Ray carrying blind and partially paralyzed Fraser, and they were singing, you know, what's the song, California? Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> remember the exact song, but they're singing along, and they're walking through the forest, and... Um, Um, Just a really, really uh, well done scene. And and, uh, David Marciano, uh, who came to the convention in 2008 and who is probably coming this year, uh, we're trying very hard to make sure that he's there, um, told us this story because you think about there was quite a gap between... um, uh, due to the the cancellation and all the uncertainty and everything else be- at the end of the first season, North being the first episode of the second season, uh, there was quite a gap between uh, the two episodes. And uh, uh, David Marciano says, you know, we just sort of got back into it, and it was just like, it was just magic. It was just like we would, we had never left, and we were just back on the set, and we were just like, you know, it just... Um, um they were just working together and, and and feeding off each other so well, just you know, just like that.
1: Okay. I am gonna say good for the soul.
0: You know, that's a powerful episode. That is uh that's a powerful episode. And where Fraser uh, that's the one where Fraser gets beat up, right?
1: Oh yes. It's a Christmas yeah. episode, which yeah. I love to show people that episode around Christmas time. Uh Fraser, who you know, always has everybody else's back, takes on the mob. I mean, the mean, bad mob, and nobody's got his back. Yeah. And, he, and Bob has that great line. Yes, you've been pompous and, and darn near arrogant, yeah. but you've been right. Oh, God, I'm tearing up.
0: Um, I'm going to st- yeah, yeah, uh, great, great episode, very powerful. I'm going to say um, I could have been a defendant.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: That's, that's, that's kind of the
1: first when I really started to embrace Stanley.
0: Yeah. And, uh, uh, guest starring, um, Brent Carver, uh, who plays, who really does a great job of playing the, um, um, essentially, uh, slightly mentally handicapped, uh, uh, uh person in there um and just a, a good sort of the, the the whole um the whole brother interaction between him and and his big brother who's actually not looking out for him at all uh it, which is kind of re- what is revealed at the end of, of, of the episode is just uh again again you know very powerful
1: yeah it's uh ray and his what are they called in canada Don't they have a different name for him we call them m&m's Smarties, oh, Smarties, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, we got both here. <laughs> uh, I am gonna say Call of the Wild.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, last episode of the series, and I am gonna say, oh, that that's that's this is tough. Uh, it's got to be one of the two uh, uh, Zuko episodes: uh, the deal or Juliet is bleeding. They're both. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. I'm I'll, gonna I'll let, to,
1: this is your last choice. I'll let you have both of them if you want.
0: All right. I'll take. Uh, I'll do. I'll do like you. I'll take them both because they're kind of like uh, a, a continuation of the storyline. But uh, yeah, really great one. Juliet is bleeding, featuring uh, Carrie Ann Moss.
1: Uh, How'd we leave her name
0: out? Yeah, I don't know.
1: She's uh, she's awesome, and you're
0: she, right. Yeah, I mean, in the Matrix and everything else. So. Um, uh, again, you know, what, what, uh, how Paul Haggis, uh, decided on, on who his guest stars were. He really had an eye for, uh, uh for, for picking the, uh, picking some really, really great talent. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, my last choice, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not like other people. Um, Dr. Longball. Oh, yeah. I love that one. It's, it's where, uh, You know, uh, Stanley as Ray, you know, Ray was a lot more, he wasn't the stooge as much as, uh, as Stanley. And I like that episode for two reasons. Uh, number one, a character that was uh, an actor that was on uh, Hill street blues and played Mick Belker that I just love, uh, was the manager of the baseball team and uh, Stanley gets to play baseball and he gets to be the hero. Yeah, And I just, I love that. I just, it's just like nice. It's nice for Stanley. Um, okay. One last thing. I hate to do this to you.
0: No, no, keep going. To, to
1: talk of, Can you talk about the last episode of do South again? I don't think there's been man. When that thing ended, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it was just, I didn't, I couldn't quarrel with anything and I still laugh at what happened to Turnbull.
0: The, uh, you know, uh, it, that the last episode of Do yourself, uh, you know, is uh, people interpreted it in uh, in different ways, and people have very different uh, opinions on it. And um, the last couple minutes where you know all the characters are uh, 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 the the future of all the characters is revealed uh, is probably the 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 most controversial aspect of it. Personally. Um, I don't like it that much. Um, I, I think they, I think it was a little too sort of
1: <sighs> do sex machina. We're just going to make all this stuff happen because yeah. we don't have any other th- thing. I, well, I, I have to go along with you there a little. I was happy to see Ray get the girl, yeah, and go get the bowling alley. But I do have to admit, it was just kind of like, well, let's just write some crazy thing here. I think
0: they, I think they could have left it. I think they could have left it more open uh and and people would have made up their own sort of ideas as to uh, uh as to what what happened to the characters. Um that, and and I didn't see necessarily some of the um
1: I did not like what they did with Thatcher, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um uh, so 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 you know, it was it was a it was a great episode, but um, um, you'll you'll find two schools of thought. You'll find people that are that really really like it, and you'll find other people that thought it was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, I'm I'm one that personally thought it was a little bit of a letdown, but you know I think it was. I think. I think you you could consider you know consider the big picture, and I think just the fact that uh, they were able to put a season three together and actually come you know bring the show to a conclusion that you know maybe except for the last two minutes was was quite it was really well done uh i mean a lot of shows don't quite don't don't get the the luxury of of um of having that that kind of you know Concluding, sort of uh, uh, um, bring bring everything together, um, uh, close no closure really.
1: You know, I guess I don't think quite as much about and that's maybe why I sublimated the uh, horrifying mustache they put on Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that the the farewell between. Uh, Benton and his mother and father, his mother and wasn't, she played in that scene by his wife, yes. Paul Gross's yes. wife? Uh, that scene, man, I, I, I'm tearing up just, I thought that was so well done and maybe I'm, I'm a pie in the sky, but that's what I remember about that episode. And the fact that you Canadians have got me addicted to Stan Rogers now. And, and if you <laughs> think it's hard to explain due South to people, yeah. Yeah. try explaining Stan Rogers to a room full of Americans.
0: Uh, I'm not sure how. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. Uh, just listen to the music North, North, Northwest Passage and. Uh, Barrett's, uh, Privateers. Barrett's Privateers. Exactly. No, yeah, and you know.
1: Frazier busts out at uh, Barrett's Privateers and Mountie on the Bounty, which would have been my sixth selection. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Stefan Reckle, it has been absolutely a joy to talk to you. I cannot wait uh, for August fifteenth through the seventeenth in Toronto, RCW one thirty nine for twenty fourteen.
0: We kind of announced a little while ago that we wanted to do a, a sort of a commemorative video and 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 ask people to send in uh, a quick sort of uh, one minute video talking about. Pretty much the things you are mentioning now.
1: Well, that's great. Just know that anything I can do to help promote this program, I'll stand out in front of a place with a sandwich board. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll raffle off, you know, unnecessary body parts on eBay. I mean, I'll I'll do whatever I can to shine more light on this program.
0: Well, let me let me tell you, I guess as as close as closing, a um, couple of the things what we what what we need right now, uh, what will help is more supporting memberships so you know um uh, if anybody wants to buy a supporting membership you still have till 31st of may uh... to do so uh... although we appreciate the earlier the earlier the better because then we can uh... we we, we know our numbers uh, in advance and we can we have to order all the um all the trinkets and, and all the things that are going to go, the t-shirts and whatever else are going to go in the, uh, the goodie bags, uh, so, so that helps, supporting memberships, um, sending in uh, uh, videos, uh, you can go to our, we have a Facebook page. Uh, it's just RCW one three nine the Do South Convention on Facebook, and that's where we kind of keep things going uh, a little bit more up to date than the website, or we just put the the big announcements. Uh, but there's uh, some instructions there on how to submit a little one-minute video talking about uh, uh, your experience with Due South and we also ask people to just say thank you kindly um, and and we'll try and put this in a video and then the third thing is we have a photo contest on the go which is the idea essentially is um, go to some you know, some some place uh, unique, unusual place, uh, or with you know, take a picture with somebody unusual, unique, famous, uh, something along those lines, uh, uh, with a uh, an item that clearly identifies Deuce out. So you know, we suggest something like a, a DVD set. Um, uh, you know, a a jacket, a book, you know, one of those uh, Do South Compendium books or or, or whatever and, and just make sure that it's clear in the picture and then have your picture taken and then we're running a little bit of a contest. Uh, whoever has the most original, interesting uh, picture um, uh, will win a little bit of a prize. And it's always a bit of a hoot to see what the submissions are, uh, what what people submit. Uh, you know, if you're able to, I don't know, go to the South Pole or <laughs> you know, the, the, the Great Wall of China or if you can meet uh, the president and, you know, get a picture with due south and uh then i think you'll be well on your way to uh to, to winning something with it it's just kind of a little fun contest
1: well i i my mind is spinning what am i going to do I, I maybe i can get uh you know one of the dallas cowboys or something uh, yeah, that'd be fun know, too. yeah so uh i guess i will close this by saying uh appreciate your time today and uh thank you kindly
0: well, like I said, thank you kindly for uh, uh, for having me on the show and uh, And we are all really looking forward to uh, to august and It should be a great time Ladies and gentlemen, the chief hope of our enemies is to divide the United States along racial and religious lines and thereby conquer us let 's not spread prejudice. A divided America is a weak America. Through our behavior, we encourage the respect of our children and make them better neighbors to all races and religions. Remind them that being good neighbors has helped make our country great and kept her free. Thank you. If I only had one word to describe this new series, it would be excitement. The drama will be about people caught up in a critical moment of life and death and presented as realistically and creatively as possible. We're tremendously excited about it. We think you will be,
1: too. You're listening to The Tom Gully Show. We'd like to thank Stefan Rackle, from RCW 139, the 2014 edition, the 20-year anniversary of Do South, for indulging me in yet another love letter to my favorite show. You know, fans of the show uh, call themselves Doozers. I should have mentioned that in the interview. And so we say a hearty hi and hello to all the Doozers out there. we cannot wait to thank you kindly in person. Folks, we'd really appreciate it if you'd share this on your various Facebook pages. Trying to spread the word means trying to spread our little show here. We'd appreciate it if you'd like the Tom Gully Show. Not me, but the show on Facebook, too, if the mood strikes you. And, of course, there's always the TomGullyShow.com. And that's where you can find everything about the show. There's the Tom Gully Show store. And we always encourage you to subscribe to iTunes. It's free. If it's free, it's for me. Follow us on Twitter at Atomic Palooka as well. And uh, that'll do it for tonight. I'm out of here. I got to go talk to some people. I'll talk to you much later in RCW 139, August 15th through 17th in Toronto, Canada. Uh, Just go to rcw139.org and you will find bliss and happiness. We're going to take you out as always with the Catch-22 Blues by the Hitman Blues Band. And we will see you next time.
0: But he don't want to. And the dog can't grab a cat, or a raccoon can do all that, but well, he don't want to. And I dream of you at night while you hold your baby tight, but he don't want you. You can see it in his eyes from the way he tells you lies. But he don't want you.